0: Ladies and gentlemen, happy Bobby Bonilla Day to everyone. We are recording on July 1st, and yes, until what, Dan, like 2037, Bobby Bonilla will be paid by the New York Mets, like $1.1 million on July 1st. And not only that, happy, I guess we can call this 4th of July weekend, because 4th of July is on a Tuesday for some reason this week, or this year, but uh, yeah, I'm I, happy Bobby Bonilla Day, everyone. Dan, how we doing today?
1: Yeah, happy Bobby Bonilla day to you. I think it's what is it, twenty thirty six or something? It's that's it's like up one there. of the it's like one of the constants of life. You know, everything <laughs> everything is constantly changing, and then every July first we hit Bobby Bonilla day, and he gets another fresh million from the from the Mets. Maybe that's what Steve Cohen was talking about when he said uh, he, he said the other day he can't keep losing money the way he is.
0: You know, I'm surprised for how rich Steve Cohen is, that he just didn't like pay them all in one shot (laughs) like why would you keep this going why would you keep this meme train going yeah now
1: everybody's got to hear about the Mets bad decisions for uh for one day out of the 365 every year
0: fortunately for us we get to hear about it a lot more than just one day because (laughs) Uh, this year my god they've been terrible but before we get into the Mets because the Mets are awful and we did want to touch on I believe we wanted to touch on the Mets Last episode. This is two episodes in one week, people. This is going crazy right now. ASN is just that we're out of our minds right now. But uh first off I wanna ask Dan, even though I saw him a few days ago, I wanna say how you doing? What's been going on? You sure have been busy, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I'd be good. not much to report, which that's always a good thing. Um, but in my life, I mean, but you know, yeah, there's been there's been plenty of uh NBA free agency stuff going on. We're gonna talk about that a little bit, which you know, no matter what goes on whether players resign or go somewhere else it still keeps me busy um but yeah I'm, and, and the nhl draft was the other night and so you yeah, know that got out of the way uh but we're we're moving on to july it is fourth of july weekend i yes i do think this counts as a fourth of july weekend right I mean, you know it, a lot of people have monday off or they're work remotely monday and I, I work monday but um you yeah, but this definitely does count as Fourth of July weekend. I think next year, because it's leap year, Fourth of July it's not a Wednesday; it's Thursday. So then we we, we get back to like the traditional four day weekend. And that's we, I was
0: gonna say that's nice because yeah. well, at my job, at my job you get the day. So like, if you have days off before or after, like scheduled, that's just a plus. But like, you can always take off. Like, so I think that's what I'm gonna do next year. I, I think I might, I think I might be so bold as to take off the day before and the day after. There you go. So then I can have a nice five day weekend, but we're just starting into a vacation.
1: That's probably the best setup, right? When it's on a Thursday, because then everybody gets a Friday. Yeah, and then you know, obviously Saturday, Sunday. I guess if if it's on Friday, it's not bad, but then you're probably stuck with the you know it's a three day weekend.
0: Yeah, but uh, a lot actually has gone on. It's surprising. Usually when we do episodes this close, there's usually either it's it's a specialty episode like a like a draft or or an interview or something like that. Surprisingly, in between episodes, what has it been, like three days? There's been a lot that that has gone on. I mean, the night after, or the night the episode dropped, uh, Domingo Herman, as you guys know, unless you live under a rock, even if you don't follow baseball, he did pitch the 24th perfect game in MLB history, the most just kind of, I don't want to say mid-perfect game ever because his performance was awesome, but the... The just like the the reception, maybe it's because he's you know a uh, uh, oh I was gonna say something way off. Maybe it's because he's been uh, accused of you know <laughs> domestic violence or something that people don't care as much, but or that it was ten o'clock or it was in Oakland. But uh, I feel like it was kind of like it kind of came and went. I also feel like the Yankees don't really know how to hype up any historical events. Like I remember Corey Kluber's no hitter being like, wow. Nine innings of no-hit baseball, and then that was it. And it kind of felt like the same thing for Domingo, except it was perfecto, but instead of an O, it was a zero. Like, ooh, great job, Yankees.
1: You know, Kluber, Kluber kind of got a, a a poor deal on that because he was like – I don't know if you remember, there were like six or seven no-hitters yeah. in, in two months that year. It was actually on back-to-back days because uh, Spencer Turnbull of the Tigers – there's a name – uh. Pitt threw a no hitter the day before Kluber. Uh, this was during like the what, right before they cracked down on the the sticky stuff. The <laughs> well, substance. they had to know
0: something was going on. Everybody
1: was throwing a no hitter, and then ever since then, it's become really tough. There have been a few combined no hitters. We know the Astros did it uh, against the Yankees, and they did it in the World Series, which is still incredible. Yeah, uh, the fact that it was done in the World Series, but only three since they cracked down on the sticky stuff, and that's Tyler Gilbert of the Diamondbacks. Um, there's another name,
0: Tyler Gilbert was, uh, that was his first career start.
1: I, I believe that was first career start. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, uh, Reed Detmers of the angels. Oh, who's why is everyone that throws a no hitter a perfect game? Suck? He he's actually what? having a pretty good year this year. I, very quietly. He's been part of the reason yeah. that the angels like he hasn't well. been
0: historically a good pitcher. Right? No,
1: but, uh, especially last year he got demoted actually not too long after, but this year he has been better. Um, and now Domingo Herman, who gave, by the way, gave up 10 runs. In his in the previous start against the Mariners too, the Mariners are they are in bad shape right now. But he gave up ten runs uh, against him, and then yeah, uh, he, he came up out seven, next time
0: seven runs before that against. Yeah, the Red Sox. and he
1: came out next time, and he was perfect. Talk and, about a short memory. You know, uh, since you were on the on the pessimistic side of it, I'm gonna I'm gonna put an optimist view on it. Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. I, I think I think a lot of people uh, from my from my perch on Instagram it got a lot of attention. People were like, it was like for a a post that went up after midnight, it got a ton of likes really early on. I think people were actually into it. Kind of, I think people were a little impressed by how rare it was. Um, I thought, I I thought on social media in the immediate, like everybody who was awake at midnight was kind of amazed by it. Um, which, which wasn't a ton of people because, you know, like, like you said, like we said, who, you know, Forget Domingo Herman. Who wants to stay up and watch the A's and Yankees the night after the Yankees well, lose to the A's? And That's exactly what happened with me. I stayed yep. up the night
0: before to watch the game, and then I came home from work, and I said, you know what, I'm so disgusted with this team after last night, I'm not even going to bother, because usually, I, I told you, usually when the Yankees are on the West Coast and I have, I have work the next day, because I have to wake up so early, I'll usually watch like three, four, maybe five innings, depending on how fast it's going. And I'm kind of glad in a weird way that I didn't watch it, because if like, if I saw that he was going perfect through like four or five, I would have said to myself, all right, let me stay up and see how 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 long this goes. Like I would have witnessed history, but I wouldn't have been a very cranky man the next day at work. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I woke up the next day and I was fired up after after seeing that.
0: I mean, I, we, I feel was, like I've been waiting. You see you waking up just like throwing the covers off like, let's I, go.
1: I've been waiting for so long for another perfect game. I mean, 11 years is is just crazy. And what's crazy about it is, there was, it, it, it was kind of a fluke. Like, yes, it is really hard to throw a perfect game to pitch a perfect game, but there were so many no hitters in between Yeah, something I did the count actually a few years ago. I forget what it was. Seventy. If you count like combined, it's like in the, in the 40 range. Um, but you know, like what are the odds that not one of them has, you know, has no walks and no errors and all that. I think that there are a couple that came close. Uh, I think Kershaw Kershaw's no hitter, which by the way is like probably the most dominant pitching performance I've ever yeah. seen. Uh, I think it was a Hanley Ramirez error.
0: Now, you know that's the thing too. I feel like more often than not, a no a perfect game is broken up, but like um, unless it's a hit, I'm talking about like something out of the pitcher's control. I feel like it's it's more of a of an error than a walk.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's it's a that's why it's a huge team achievement.
0: Yeah. I, Except you know, I, like, I mean there are
1: some some pitchers ruin it with a walk or two, but usually yeah. it's a team achievement. Or like uh, a
0: pitch, that's gotta be the worst. If you if you break up your perfect game by hitting someone with a pitch, that's just well that you cool. know,
1: that's the next one I was gonna mention, which is uh Scherzer. Yeah. Which, you know, that one, uh Jose Tabata of the Pirates, uh probably leaned into that one. And honestly, if the if the umpire called him leaning into that, it probably wouldn't nobody probably would have put up a fight. Uh so no, that
0: should have been like Brendan Ryan who didn't right. swing. On so that should have been that probably should have but... been a perfect
1: game. And then John Means with the Orioles, I think it was uh I think a, a strikeout got away from the catcher. Yeah, I mean it, it, it. might have been his fault, but I forget if it was a wild pitch or not. But the it strikeout got away pitcher, right. in, in like the fourth inning. And then um there was one other one. Oh, Carlos Frodon, I think, hit somebody with the pitch and with like one out in the ninth, uh with a perfect game.
0: That so
1: so, so they i like it, it's been like a, almost a complete fluke i mean the last three years ever since the the, the sticky stuff cracked down there hasn't been a lot of no hitters at least not individual no hitters yeah but it, it's well, almost been like a a fluke that nobody's is, actually I, been perfect
0: to your to your point saying that too that there's been less i feel like especially this year well this year feels like a little bit more of a transition than anything because i mean i was watching i went to the Met game i tortured myself the other day i went to the Met game <laughs> Um, they actually won, and they actually looked pretty good, except for Jeff Brigham. But anyway, um, and what's his name? David David Peterson was pitching, and I, I've i been to three or four games so far this year, and this is the first time I actually like sat there and looked at how much more cardio it takes a pitcher to pitch now with the pitch clock than yeah. before. I mean, David Peterson was literally just, he was getting the ball. From Narvaez, getting on the rubber, and within eight, nine seconds, he was throwing another pitch. And I even said to my fiancé, I was like, that, like, coming as, I don't want to be like, oh, as a ball player, but, like, you know, like, still playing baseball, I couldn't imagine, even with good conditioning, like, just getting the ball and throwing again, getting the ball and throwing again, getting the ball. Like, we're not going to see as many no-hitters, I feel like, because pitchers are going to get gassed and you know the pitch count thing i mean the the what what did we say the other day the two oldest pitchers in baseball have the most pitches thrown yeah. in, in a game and it's only i mean like 119 this point in the season doesn't really feel like that many pitches to be considered the most pitches in a game right like i would think maybe like 130 would be like the yeah. most something like that but 119 is kind of like oh so i feel like pitchers are getting gassed a little bit more easily and then that's going to lead to you know if you're in the 8th inning with like a hundred something pitches, you know, you're, you're probably, you're probably just going up there, honestly, just hoping like you're just, you're kind of just throwing it right down the middle or at least near the strike zone, just hoping that someone's going to like ground out or something. <laughs> like, Cause I would rather, I one 100% rather pitch to contact in a perfect game or a no hitter than like try and strike everyone out. Cause well, at least the pitcher I am, I yeah. just go up there and throw it as hard as I can. So, I mean, that, that's,
1: that's one reason why it's so hard now to, so I, I think, you know first of all things are constantly changing in 2021 when they had all those no hitters nobody could hit like the offense is terrible Mm -hmm. and now offense is up and you know part of that i think is uh the pitch clock which it it surprised me because honestly my first instinct was that it was going to be harder for the hitters because they've got to like you know they don't really have any time to think about it or time to adjust um but it seems like it's been a little tougher on the pitchers and then um you know, restricting the shift has helped too, and everything that they do to make, to add some more offense to the game has, has helped a little bit. It's a good thing. And we're going to get into it because, you know, that's part of the reason why Acuna and Otani are having such amazing years. But yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's so many reasons now why throwing an individual no hitter is hard, especially the pitch count. And I think that's why, you know, it used to be like, oh, there'll be a few individual no-hitters a year and then a combined no-hitter. And and they're all cool and all that. Now there's like, oh, there's a few combined no-hitters and nobody really cares. And then the individual ones are, are still big. I'm not going to lie.
0: I do not care about a combined no, but, no-hitter. No, but
1: that's okay because, you know, at least it, it, it preserves the individual ones as like actually big achievements since they they still kind of happen pretty rarely. We're, we're working on like one a year now. I mean, until we get another one. um, But... Yeah, I was good. when you were talking about the pitch counts, I we're, and you know we were talking about before we recorded the perfect games that we remember. Do you remember Edwin Jackson's 149 pitch no hitter?
0: He had like seven walks, I'm pretty sure yep. in that game. I remember because it used to be very exciting as a kid. I'm not going to lie. When like when MLB Network was like a relatively new thing. And they would go to the live coverage and usually they would cover just the ninth inning or they would show you like updates like, Oh, Edwin Jackson has completed eight no hit innings and stuff like that. I remember the ninth inning being like an hour long. (laughs) I remember being like, all right, he walked like three guys and it was like, is this even a no hitter at this point? Like, yeah. Like, or how about Irving Santana threw a no hitter and lost? Like, how does that even work? Like it's so funny. I'm pretty sure Irving Santana, like, Oh no, I don't know if that's true. I remember him being maybe on the losing end of like almost two no hitters. I know that he did throw a no hitter. He he's thrown two. I'm pretty sure. Oh, he won and he lost. Like how do you lose a no hitter? <laughs>
1: like <laughs> well, the last year the the what was it? The Pirates won without a hit. Yeah, but it was but it didn't count as a no hitter because it's was only uh, eight innings because they were the home team. That's so the Reds so you have to throw nine. So the Reds is only threw so, eight.
0: That is so funny. Or like I forget. Oh, it was Madison Bumgarner before he sucked. Remember he he threw um, a no hitter in a doubleheader in 2020, but yeah, it didn't yeah. count because the it games were seven out. innings. Yep. And
1: it's- yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, I remember being at at in, at BU for that, one. that was early 2021, and that was that was when all those no hitters were happening. So there were yeah. like six or seven in two months, and then Bumgarner was doing that. That's why I didn't even feel bad. I was like. Like there's just too many right now. Like we can't count seven innings. There's, there's too many no hitters. No,
0: yeah. If there's not been no in like five years, then eh, maybe we'll squeeze it in there. Yeah. But like, like, it, like
1: but, but you know, like Brian Bayo of the, who by the way is having a surprisingly great season for the rest. Yeah, Ramses. he is. I thought he was going to do it the other night. He I had seven no hit innings against. The that was Marlins the
0: day after Domingo, right? The day
1: after Domingo. That's funny. Yeah, I remember some, but I, I remember somebody being like, "Wow, this would be the first uh, back to back no hitter day since like." You know, somebody said like 1990-something, and I was like, no, Kluber. The Kluber with the Kluber no-hitter was was a back-to-backer in that 2021 season. Do you know my favorite stat?
0: uh, One of my favorite stats is about perfect games is that the longest – I'm pretty sure the longest perfect streak in the modern era was Mark Burley because he pitched a perfect game and then actually went five and a third innings perfect
1: in the next start. That sounds familiar.
0: Can you – like – could you – You have to be. I don't care how bad. I don't care if those two perfect games are your two wins in your whole career. I feel like if you throw back to back perfect games, you have to be automatically inducted into the baseball hall of fame. Yeah, you're a hall of famer. Like there's been
1: one back to back no hitter, and that's you know that was back with I think uh, somebody with the Reds. Yes, that was in like
0: the 70s or something. Maybe
1: maybe or I might have been earlier in that 40s or 50s. I think. Uh, probably something we'll never see again. But yeah, yeah, I remember hearing that about Mark Burley, and that was ridiculous.
0: Uh, hold on, let me check that because now I'm interested. Uh, well, I mean, I am interested, but I'm I'm extra interested in that. I do remember it being the Reds back, too. Back, no.
1: But yeah, to fill time, you know that it, there were three perfect games in 2012. That was uh, <laughs> who was the? It was Matt Kane, Felix, and oh, and Philip Humber. <laughs>
0: The following year, on June eleventh, nineteen thirty-eight, Vander Johnny Vandermeer, Johnny, that pitched, is
1: a familiar pitched,
0: name. Pitched a no-hitter against the Boston Bees.
1: Is <laughs> that what and,
0: and Then four days later, the Brooklyn Dodgers, and and it's hilarious because that was actually the first night game at Ebbets Field, mm-hmm. and he threw a
1: no-hitter against them. Oh, you know they were probably blaming the darkness, right? Oh yeah, it's oh, oh yeah. No, can you imagine the controversy nowadays? That if Twitter right. existed in nineteen thirty-eight, it would have blown up.
0: Knowing knowing like the way that the Dodgers were run back then, they probably had no lights. It was probably like a race against time. It was probably like <laughs> eight o'clock in like the middle of July. And it was like, come on, we could still squeeze another inning out <laughs> before yeah, the hitters are like, I,
1: I can't see anything right now. <laughs> it's a Mickey Mouse no hitter.
0: Yeah. But um I mean, getting back to getting back to it, Domingo Herman, incredible achievement. He loved nines, nine innings perfect, nine strikeouts, ninety-nine pitches on the night. He was, he was awesome, and I remember my because I ta- I I I felt bad. My dad, I forgot he was off starting, like that night, like mm-hmm. he was off from work for the summer, and I woke up the next morning at like five a.m. and I usually sit up and bend for for five minutes to contemplate my life when I wake up, and um, I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, son of a bitch, I'm like, I think her mom a perfect game and I missed it. I'm like, that sucks. So I texted him. At like 5 a.m. Because usually he's up for work. And he was like, why are you texting me? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. He was like, that's great. I'm going back to bed. But like talking about Domingo Herman. I was like, oh, I feel so bad. I <laughs> just woke him up out of a dead sleep for no reason. He was that's probably all like freaked out. That's like, why good. is he texting me so early? <laughs> did, he, did he watch it? He said he watched four innings. And then when we talked about it later on in the day, he said uh, the cur- his curveball was unbelievable. Yeah. He was like well, my dad is at that point in his life where like he's seen it all as a sports fan right. so like so like he he probably like was like oh he probably could pitch a perfect game Nah, i'm going to bed
1: it's
0: like <laughs> it's like i've seen it it so many many
1: for me but you know that that was actually the funniest part was that so many people reacted to it the next day um but you know both like Personally for me and like, you know, people on social media and all that and seeing everybody's different reactions is hilarious because like it's just the most random grouping of, of words that you could put together. Like, yeah. oh, Domingo Herman pitched a perfect game. Like, no hitters one thing. No hitters happen. There hasn't been a perfect game, you know, since anybody like any of my friends were 12 years old. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. Domingo Herman pitched a perfect game. You know, it's the most bizarre sentence you could put together. But, you know, speaking
0: of speaking of random groupings of words. I I feel bad for you man because I'll I'll be like cuz as you know now that we know each other quite well I I mean I I used to look at every single post but now I really read and I in I look at the comment sections every single time now because there's usually some sort of gold underneath your posts besides for the bots uh and everyone's just ragging you dude for like so what? You make one little spe- spelling error, like it, or like you say like one wrong thing, like everyone's so mean to you. Like I, I saw, uh, on your Fred Van Fleet post, instead of the Rockets, you put the Raptors, and one guy was like, "You're getting so lazy. You're not even proofreading." And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this guy has to like churn out like five posts in like fifteen minutes when when NBA. Free agency is coming. Why are you being so mean to yeah, that? That, that so, was like
1: a four-hour marathon last night.
0: Yeah, I, I don't get it. Just like, and also, I don't think people realize how Canva works. How like you can't just go back and edit it, then you have to like re-download it and all that kind of like. It's just better with the spell. With the spell, it was very
1: weird with the autocorrects. Like it yeah. does not autocorrect anything. I, I don't know how to change that. Like I don't know what the it, you know you like. it does the it, same. Usually, thing. the right. You know, if you put the wrong thing, the right thing pops up, and this one does not correct you. Yeah. It like it almost it almost like puts you on your own. And and you're like you're left to fend for yourself there. So I, I always thought that was strange. Maybe
0: we have to pay for the for the for that version. <laughs> Not the free version that I use. But anyway, sorry on that getting on that little tiff there, but um yeah, an incredible achievement. I mean it's nice to see as a Yankee fan, you know, because the last time the a Yankee threw a perfect game was that was was Wells or Cohn who was who was the last? It was, latter, uh, was David Cohen. In it was Cone, yeah, because know so well ninety nine or something. Yep. So uh, that you know, really awesome to see. I mean, someone did tell me it has an asterisk next to it because it is against the Oakland A's. Uh, but definitely there not. Hasn't it hasn't been is, a
1: perfect game in eleven years. There have been it is terrible teams over of, years.
0: It is one of, if not the hardest things to do. In professional sports, just to put it into perspective, there's been in the history of the live ball era, there's been two hundred and thirty-five thousand games in baseball history, and there's only been twenty-four perfect games. So if you do that math, that is a very, very, very small percentage. Yeah.
1: Look, um, the A's, the A's, it's the not not going to say they hit well; they don't. But the pitching is the bigger problem. The, they hit they had seven runs last night in a win. You know, it's it's just not easy against any team ever to to pitch a perfect game.
0: Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. Even to get a no-hitter for that matter, because there's been what? A little bit over 300 no-hitters. Yeah. And that 235,000 games, th- you know, everyone's like, oh, God, when are we going to stop counting and just call it a no-hitter? 304. It's like, dude, that's pretty special, man. It is.
1: Like, baseball's been around for a long that's time. That's very
0: special. That's ear-ear. Granted, I mean, like, there have been quite a few pitchers that threw a no-hitter, but a lot of guys that have thrown multiple no-hitters. So it's not just 300 pitchers that have thrown no-hitters. It's been. Probably on the probably more like in the two hundred range because you know you got Nolan Ryan who threw seven, you know, like but I'm Scherzer has like three. Yeah, Verlander's
1: Verlander's got three.
0: Yeah. So like Kershaw has like two or three. You know, so you know, you get guys that have multiple no hitters. Somehow, some way. Oh, what's his name? That was on the Reds. Help me out here. Homer Bailey. Homer Bailey has two <laughs> has two no hitters to his name. Like, that's insane. I'm so glad that you knew Mike exactly Fires too.
1: Mike Fires, who is the Astros whistleblower on that scandal, he had one with the Astros and one with the A's.
0: That's right. I forget. It's so funny how that works. But congratulations to Domingo Herman. Hopefully, that is. I don't want to get into it because we talked a lot about the Yankees last episode. But hopefully, that is the uh, jump start to the season for the Yankees. Hopefully. And by the way, any time that a Yankee pitcher has thrown a perfect game in history, the Yankees have won the World Series that year. So. I don't think that that's going to happen. The streak might end. And all of them started with D, Don Larson, David Wells, David Cohn, Domingo Herman. I don't know if the streak is going to continue this year. The Yankees are pretty mid, to be honest with you. But hopefully that's something that, uh, you know, kicks them in the ass and jumpstarts them. But, you know, now let's, let's switch up. Let's go across a couple boroughs here. Let's talk about the, the just travesty that's going on in City Field. Not only is the, is the stadium sinking into the ground because it was built on a swamp, <laughs> But, I mean, the whole team is just collapsing from every angle, it seems.
1: Yeah, they're 36 and 46, which, by the way, that's an official NBA uh, schedule. That's 82 games. (laughs) And if you did that in the NBA, you'd be very disappointed. Um, If you did that with the highest payroll, you'd be extremely disappointed. And that's exactly what the Mets have done. I mean, they've, they, listen, there were, there were some flaws with the way they built the team. You know, yeah. you have t- you're relying heavily on two pitchers who are 40 or close to 40, uh, but they still shouldn't be this bad. And I, like mm-hmm. honestly, when when Steve Cohen goes out there and says it's on the players, like it is on the players. I, I yeah, I, I don't want to pin this one on on the guy who went out and was told to sign you know everybody for 40 million dollars a year. Like you know, you got to play better. And I, I I know there's some injuries. Edwin Diaz before the season has it's made an impact because they've blown a lot of games. Um, you know they. They didn't believe they had to rely so heavily on Scherzer and Verlander because Jose Quintana was added. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are a few pitching pieces added that uh, aren't healthy. But, you know, offensively, like they're just, they should be hitting much better than they are.
0: There was. Uh, so instead, I don't know. I don't know if every ballpark does this now. But when I went to the Mech game the other day, I've noticed that, I mean, it's just a depressing stat. And this might be like league wide. But you know how like at a game when they show the lineups on the on the scoreboard, they have the averages next to them. So yeah. the Mets have replaced the averages with OPS because I guess it's a better number, you know, to look at. It's it's, it's more bet- satisfying. But yeah. I will tell you this, Dan. Those numbers were not satisfying. No.
1: Those no, if you know were, the there numbers. Was a, there was
0: a which, lot of fives in there.
1: Yeah, but just which is not good.
0: Yeah. And uh, I mean you had a couple. You had Brandon Nimmo who was like in the like high 700s and then of course you had Pete Alonzo, who despite batting like 218 has like 23 home runs so his OPS is a little higher but um yeah i mean it, it was just depressing to look at i mean the, to be to be quite honest with you though the brewers were even worse uh the brewers yeah, have like hit. yeah the brewers the brewers cannot hit and they also have like five rookies start in their starting lineup at the same time but,
1: Surprisingly, Kristen Yelich is like the only one who can hit. We're back in like twenty twenty nineteen. He's actually been pretty good lately.
0: Yeah, he has. I mean but, yeah. I think
1: I think not to go off on this tangent, I I don't know if anybody cares, but Rowdy Telez, who hit like thirty something home runs last year, great name. He's he's been awful for like six weeks now. Like the first six weeks of the season he was pretty good and he's hitting like well under two hundred, yeah. not hitting a home runs. Owen so. Miller
0: actually is having like a like a decent year. Yeah, you know, they, they found
1: there. a couple of those gems. But the, the guys who were supposed to hit are really aren't hitting. Anyway, you could say the same thing for the Mets. And it, it was pretty sad seeing them like, you know, Francisco Lindor was a finalist to start the All-Star game. And they were like pushing him on Twitter and all that. And it's like, like this guy's hitting 225. Like, just, just let it go. Like, he should Can not we, be starting.
0: Are we allowed to have that conversation yet where that contract is just going to be a massive, massive black eye? On the yeah, organization.
1: like you know, last year he was not bad. I mean, the average wasn't what exactly what you wanted, but he was actually, you know, all things considered, he was very good. And mm. he, this year, I think he's actually leading them in WAR. Like that's how bad they've been. And you know, the home runs are there, but the, he's just not hitting for contact. Like that's the home runs in the defense are not enough. They make him employable, but yeah. you're getting thirty-four million a year, whatever it is, and like, it's only going to go
0: up, right? As the like that goes on.
1: You're supposed to be doing a little bit of everything for 34 million years. You can't just be a limited, you know, a two, one or two dimensional player.
0: Yeah. I mean, Nimmo has, I mean, for, he's for saying, some Nimmo's time been now, Nimmo's been good. I thought I, Nimmo's, I'm saying, Nimmo's been the most consistent, solid player. And I hate Brendan Nimmo. And I'm saying this about him, but uh, he's been the most consistent, solid player on the Mets for like, probably two or three years now. And um, it's just not enough though. You can't get like, you can't rely on your lead off hitter to like, you know what I mean? Like carrier offense. I mean, you got Pete Alonzo who goes up there and really his average is only based off of like home runs at this point. I mean, yeah. he really yeah. got, he got off to a tremendous start, even hitting the baseball himself. His average was up there close to the 300s for the first like month of the season. And then, you know, he just kind of fell off the face of the earth. Their, their whole lineup is just, even Jeff McNeil won what the NL batting title last year.
1: Yeah, or, right. he's been—he's kind of been nowhere to be found. He's
0: like two fifty. He's batting, yeah. I mean, Which, and I, I mean, I don't
1: even know how you explain it. And Starling Marte, who's—he's had a few injuries. He looks like, speaking of employable, he might not be. I, I saw yeah. Mets writers uh, tweeting about how they might have to make a decision at some point because he's yeah. just not really giving them anything.
0: And and I mean, like you got guys who really were supposed to be like bench bats, plug and play guys that are actually doing the most. Like Tommy Pham is actually having a decent season for the Mets too. And like, I don't think Tommy Pham was in the plans to start every single game for the Mets. Like, you know, I guess you could chalk that up to good business. I guess that's something that you, you categorize under good business. The Brendan Nimmo extension was good business. That's relatively cheap for a guy that, you know, does what he does, but there have just been some real like horrendous decisions. And, and we're coming up on a point where, you know, Max Scherzer might want to be traded to a contender. Then you kind of have to follow that up. Well, well, maybe Verlander wants out of his contract too. Not not at this point, maybe in the offseason, something he wants to get off the Mets. And I mean, at the same time, I wouldn't really hate it because what is the trade value? I'm I'm sure after this season, like the trade value of Scherzer and, and Verlander is a lot less than it would be than maybe like last year or something. But at what point do you just say, you know, we we gotta replenish? We have to kind of start out like I feel like I would be as a baseball fan, not even like someone who lives in Queens and like, you know, deals with Met fans on a daily basis. The consensus is Met fans would rather see this team kind of tear it all down and just kind of not, Not I feel like the, the Mets are too talented of an organization from the talent standpoint to tear it all down, but maybe scale it back a little bit and, and kind of retool yourself because, you know, Steve Cohen took over a team that was a borderline playoff team but was one of the but a borderline playoff team that was only going to be a borderline playoff team. And he didn't really retool anything, he just kind of added a bunch of veterans at extremely high salaries and they haven't really done anything yet, you know?
1: Yeah. I I I thought I thought Steve Cohen's press conference was pretty eye-opening the other day and uh well, first of all, I, his his premise was wrong. I mean, he was like one of the, one of the things he said was he kept repeating, you know, oh, you know, we, we took over two years ago. We didn't have the infrastructure or anything. We're making hires in the minors. Things are changing. He's like, but it takes time to build up a franchise and and replenish that talent. But you won 100 you games right. last year. Like you won 100 games. That's the thing. Like you you know, you can't say like, oh well, you know, it's 36 and 46 isn't where we want to be. But but it takes time to build a franchise. Like well, no, when you won 100 games last year, you can't come out and be like, hey, it's not it's acceptable. Like no, you you won 100 games. You added all these pieces. Like this is a, a a five alarm fire. This team that you have right now. Yeah. Um. But he was he was surprisingly open about the fact that. He does not like you know okay we've talked we've talked about him as like you know the george steinbrenner of 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 the mess, like you know he's just going to go out and spend spend spend, and he came out and he was pretty much like, this is not sustainable, saying it's like not. you know like we have to build well he's you know he's like, I can't keep losing the type of money that I'm losing." Um, and he said, we have to find a way to build a sustainable team. And we've got to replenish the talent in the minor league system. And, yeah, absolutely. Which is true. And he said, uh, you know, he was pretty open that if they don't start winning, which they haven't since the press conference, they're one and two, um, that that they're going to have to have decisions to make at the trade that line. And it's interesting. A lot of reporters kind of put cold water on the idea they could trade Scherzer or Verlander. But if you don't, who are your tradable assets? Like like Steve Cohen is basically saying, like, we're gonna have a you know a sale if if we don't start winning. Well, who else are you gonna trade? Because like no the Mets fans don't want to hear about, you know, you're trading Eduardo Escobar, like which is what they did for nothing. Yeah. Uh they, they want to know about who's gonna get back some pieces.
0: And it's got it's gotta be, it has to be. If you look at this team, you're not trading, I mean, he's injured, but you're not trading Edwin Diaz. You're not trading Brandon Nimmo. You're not trading Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, like Mark Vientos. You're not trading these young, you know, superstar-esque pieces. So it has to be Verlander or, you know, it it starts and ends with the pitching for the most part. It really does. And, you know, the the rotation's old. A, A healthy rotation for the Mets is what? Quintana, Carlos Carrasco. Uh, Verlander, Scherzer. What's the average age there? It's got to be like 35. And I know Cookie Carrasco is like 34 years old. Yeah, he's, Cantana, he's like he's
1: even older than that. I think. He's
0: in is like 34, 33. Then you got two 40 year olds. Like, you know, if you're not careful, you could end up with you know David Peterson and these guys being like full time, full blown starters for you. Like, I mean, David Peterson already is due to injury. And, like, he has not been good, but, like, the yeah. game that I went to, he actually threw six shutout innings, and he looked pretty good. But, like, you're not getting that. He's, to like, 2-6 and six with, like, a 7 ERA. Like, you're not getting the consistency from anywhere else. And you're not really even getting the consistency from Scherzer and Verlander when they pitch either, you know? So right.
1: what do you do? Yeah, well, that, that's part of the other thing is, like, it's not like Scherzer and Verlander have been dominant. Like, they have some good moments. Yeah, um, Verlander's been having some some more good moments lately. Um, but it's not enough. Like they, they're not doing what they used to do and they're not pitching, you know, as long as they used to. I mean, that's that's what happens when you sign guys that old, you know, my concern, look, I I thought no matter how old they are, they can't really fail this year because, you know, they, they, they pitched without DeGrom for four months last year and they were like the best team in baseball. I like, I thought they were just, there was too much talent to fail. My question was, uh, you know, in the postseason, can you rely on two guys who are 40? Because it's sure, is going to be 40 next month. Can you rely on two guys who are 40 after they pitched the a full season? Or if they didn't, you know, after, then after injuries. Um, but it's, it's not even going to come to that. Uh, and how about, you ready for the nightmare scenario here? Absolutely. Verlander. Okay, Verlander is a trade candidate. You know who could use a starter? Just just no. one starter. No. The Houston Astros. Ugh. <laughs> I, they they do have you know after Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, and Hunter Brown, the rookie, they really don't. They they do have JP France, who's actually been having a good year, but he's like a twenty-eight year old rookie. I don't know if you want to rely on him. They've you know, lost Luis Garcia. They've lost Lance McCullers. I think there was somebody else. They lost. Yeah. They uh, could imagine Verlander back in that rotation, pitching in the World Series again, pitching in the ALCS against the Yankees. And,
0: and shutting that them out, out
1: there.
0: <laughs> I mean, just putting that out there. That's like you're looking at opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of what you're looking at and, and how a franchise is run. I mean, just despite the, the cheating allegations, the Astros are a phenomenally run organization. And then you're looking, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Mets aren't a, a well-run organization because I feel like from the business side of it, like they're sort of well-run at least now under Cohen, but like there's just been no return on investment since the start of the Cohen era for the most part. I mean, the first contract he handed out was like the largest contract for an infielder ever. And has that really turned out to be great so far? Really don't think so. Yeah. You know, and, and what are they going to give Pete Alonzo? Like what, when he's up eligible for an extension, what, what kind of money is he going to get? And are you going to get, don't get me wrong. Clearly the guys who think like us are outdated where I would rather have someone hit close to 300 and maybe hit like 30 home runs as opposed to people now where it's like 225 and 50 home runs is fine with me. It's like, eh, you know what I mean? Well, 50 but,
1: that is fine with me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean, well, that I'm just saying that because Alonzo has hit 50 home yeah. runs before. But like, you know, are, are you going to be paying 30 plus million dollars a year for 220 and porous defense at first base? Or are you going to be paying... 30 plus million for like a DH. Like, what do you like, you know what I mean? What's going well, that, on? that's
1: going to be an interesting decision. They've coming up like, so to, to close our thing with the Mets here, you know, with, with Pete Alonso, he's going to be a free agent after 2024. So for both sides, it's a really interesting decision. Like if you're the Mets, uh, this offseason may actually be the best time to do a deal. If he's not having his best year. Yeah. Cause you don't want to risk an Aaron Judge situation. I'm not saying he would have the year Aaron Judge had, but we know Pete Alonso is capable of having 50 uh, a home near runs. MVP year. So, you know, if you let it go another year, but you still want to keep him, well, you run the risk of him hitting like 260 with 50 home runs next year, and all of a sudden now you have a problem. Yeah,
0: and no, you you've really got, to, got pay to pay him,
1: him. $350 million or whatever it is by then. So, But if you're Pete Alonso, do you want to sign after this year? Or do you want to bet on yourself? You know, Judge no, bet. I would
0: him. sign if I was Pete Alonso, I'd sign.
1: All right, so Judge bet on himself, and that you know, even though he was being offered a good amount of money, and obviously he got like 130 million more. Yeah, but
0: uh, I feel two two totally different players. You're looking at like Judge is just like a I don't want to say a unicorn because we've seen players pretty much like him. Like I, I feel like just in a bigger body, he's more more so like a Mookie Betts, maybe a little bit of a better power hitter. Mookie Bet, you know what I mean? It's like you know, plus plus defense for his size. Like you're getting a you're getting a a total package for Aaron Judge. Where Pete Alonzo is more of the traditional just ball masher. You know what I mean? The guy that'll probably hit you like even on a bad year, full season, he'll hit you 40 home runs. You know what I mean? So like,
1: but the the numbers aren't aren't the same. But
0: no, from a contract
1: standpoint, like we know we know Pete can be better than this. Yeah, and definitely. so that I I think that's gonna that's gonna influence things, you know, it, depending on like with Aaron Judge, it's not that he had a he ever had a bad year. He actually was was uh, he was surging into like the MVP race at the end of 2021, even though nobody was going to beat out Otani. But yeah. it was almost like, well, we know he could be better, and Judge knew he could be better, and so he that's what he did. He bet that's on himself. So and awesome. He feels like Pete Alonso is after this year is going to be like, well. You know, I know I can be better now. Maybe Steve Cohen just drops like a huge number on him anyway. I mean, he's Steve Cohen. I don't know. Listen, but, don't
0: but, bet on yourself. <laughs> just take this, please.
1: But it'll be it'll be interesting to see if if they actually try to work out a deal this offseason. But uh, yeah. that's not my problem. That's Steve Cohen's problem.
0: Yeah, it's just it it just seems like um. It it seems like it's a handicap match for Steve Cohen right now, where like everywhere he turns, he's just getting smacked in the face with something else. Where it's like he's there's nowhere for him to hide at this point. I mean, we've seen the Mets turn it around before. We've seen the Mets go on a seventeen and three stretch over you know a twenty game period. It's certainly possible, but it's just this team is just looks so dead, right? And the fan base is dead. You go to a game, it's like they're going there just for the food of the stadium. Like it, it's, it's, they really have made some upgrades. I mean, City Field always had really good food, yeah. but it's like, it's like God tier this year.
1: That's good to know.
0: Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I went, I mean, I sat, there's a place in Brooklyn, the original Pig Beach, that's what it's called. It's a barbecue place. They have a Pig Beach stand, and I just so happened, I've never had it before. And my tickets were right outside the Pig Beach stand. So I was like, all right, like, definitely going. I sat there. It was raining on me. I'm just sitting there. I got no napkins. I got the, <laughs> the most, the most like messy brisket sandwich ever. And there, I'm just sitting there sticky, wet. Like it was just, it was great. It was, it was fantastic. My, my hair was like in my face. I'm like,
1: mm.
0: I'm just like sitting there. My fiance's is like, you're disgusting. I'm like, leave me alone.
1: Well, you were living your life. Yeah, you were like, living, like, you're alone, living your best
0: life. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, the, it's just, it, it's it's bad for the Mets. And speaking of someone who could be in play for the Mets, actually, it just kind of transitioning to just how unbelievable some of these statistics have been in the MLB this year. It's been a complete, I feel like there's a, been a lot of resurgence, resurgences across the MLB, but like, I, like you said before, both MVP races are probably as good as over at this point in the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the American League, it's definitely it, over. It, it looks like it's I, – I don't know how anybody could catch Otani. Maybe if Judge was healthy. And I know no, that's no. – well, you know, I know that sounds crazy. But, you know, who knows? I mean, Otani can get hurt in September or August. Or, but,
0: you know – By then he'll probably have 50 home runs and 17 wins.
1: That's, but uh, a month ago – actually, well, yeah, it was about – it was a little less than a month ago when Judge got hurt. And when mm. he got hurt, most people thought he was the front runner. Like that's how good he was hitting now this is before Otani hit. And he 15 was also home just carrying
0: the, the entire Yankee offense right. oh,
1: since July, since June fourth. Otani, oh, so since June fifth, Otani's hit fifteen home runs. So that um, promise me, you, you you know this is a different time. So I, I don't sound crazy when I'm saying Judge was the front runner. He briefly was the front runner because he was ha- he was hitting on the same pace as last year, and Otani was having a great it, but not perfect offensive year for sure.
0: He actually was hitting slightly better than last yeah. year's pace.
1: Yeah. Average wise was, and,
0: and power wise, he was hitting. And it, and it looked harder. like he
1: was still heating up. Like it, it didn't even look yeah. like he was done, which is so, you know, it's just, that's the sad part. It's like just, we could have had, even if it was an MVP year, we could have had another 50 home run year from Judge, yeah. and we're not going to get it because of this toe, because of this Dodgers <laughs> outfield wall, they didn't want to put any padding on.
0: Just, uh, just to put it in perspective, I mean, how inconceivable the number, like I, I can't, people think I glaze Otani all the time. And I'm completely fine with that because I don't think we've talked about this before. In today's baseball fan era, people do not appreciate greatness that's right in front of them. It's always, oh, you know, he's not that great. Like, you know, it's there's always someone that's going to sit there and be like, oh, like, like, no, he's he's not an all time great. It's like, yo, just shut up. Like, just appreciate. There's always got to be a hater in today's like sports world. Can we just appreciate the fact that Shohei Otani, not even at the All-Star break 7 and 3 3.02 ERA 107 127 strikeouts 1.04 whip he's batting 310 with 30 home runs. What? I couldn't even do this in a creative player in MLB
1: The Show. Like you can't even do he, that. He would be MVP if he wasn't pitching. I it's, it's it's by yeah. far the best offensive season so far. He would now wouldn't be over but it would be the best he it, it would yeah. be the best offensive season uh in the league i or in, in the american league at least um he's on pace for 58 home runs and and i i looked into his numbers uh, so since june june second or I mean, it was his last 24 games before last night this is before the home run uh, he was hitting 419 with 14 home runs and an ops of like 1500 which over 24 games is, like, impeccable. Over five games of 1,500 OPS is impeccable. Um, it, it's it's an unbelievable offensive season. I, I posted about it last night. It was the first uh, the first 15-home run month by a player since Kyle Schwarber in June 2021. Yeah. Of course, Schwarber, you know, and Schwarber in June is just a different animal. Uh, the first one by an AL hitter since Aaron Judge in September 2017. So Judge didn't even pass 13 home runs in a month. Last year, which, if anything, it makes the season a little more impressive. Like he yeah, was, he was just like, so consistent, consistent throughout the entire like, year. The yeah. fact he was that consistent is incredible. But like it puts into perspective how amazing this month is. And I looked at that list by the way, and Stanton, Stanton hit 18 home runs in August 2017 with the Marlins. The year he hit 59. That was. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like that again.
0: I hate Giancarlo Stanton.
1: <laughs> but but back then, all right, back then he that that's why everybody was so thrilled when the Yankees got him because who can hit 18 home runs? Dude, we
0: should have known something was off when like what Miami got in return for Giancarlo Stanton. Everyone was like, Oh, Jeter's just like giving away Giancarlo Stanton. And we were all like, wow, what a steal. And it's like, hey, he hasn't. Anyway, I don't even want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about the Yankees anymore. They pissed me off. But um, on the flip side, talk, you know, talking about the Marlins, talking about the NL. I mean, you have – I don't think – another thing, too, that kind of sucks. Is Ronald Acuna's season amazing? Absolutely. He is playing – I think I saw something like he's the first player in, I don't know, 100 years to have like 20 home runs and 35-plus stolen bases at the All-Star break. Like, that's insane. That's crazy because you look at the the players that – have played the game and you look at someone like Ricky Henderson, who is, you know, will for always be the all time stolen base King and stuff like that. And like, he used to have pop too. You would think that like he would do that. And he never did that. And you got someone like Acuna who like when he's healthy, like we're seeing this year, arguably besides for Otani, probably Otani and judge, he's got to be a top three or at least the top five player. He's incredible when he's healthy. Um, Um, But same thing, Luis arise almost hitting 400 at the all-star break. Is not being talked about enough because everyone every time you put a Luis Arise high up in the MVP in your rankings, everyone's like he's a singles merchant. He's the
1: guy almost has a thousand OPS. It go- it goes both ways every time. Somebody is always like, "No, it's only singles." He should, and then somebody's like, "How is he not the MVP?" And like, "Well, okay, it's not that simple." Like, we can we have numbers yeah. that tell us he's not as valuable as Acuna. Nobody is right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. But you know what which I get, but like. It's just not being talked about enough as an incredible season because there's yeah. just been so many things that are going on this year where, like, there's just – it this is peak baseball. What we're seeing so far this year is there's only one thing missing, and the one thing missing is the Yankees actually being a good baseball team. <laughs> this is – I'm telling you. Am I wrong, though? Yeah. Like, like no, this you're is wrong.
1: peak baseball. And so coming into this year – I'm, I'm going to go back to Arias and Acuna because I, I can't just let them go. I got to talk about them.
0: No, we have but, to talk about them.
1: But coming into this year, um, it looked. I think I forget what what I looked at. I, I guess it was the odds to make the playoffs, and it was like all of the postseason teams from last year were like were you know if you took like the top twelve in odds, all the postseason teams were supposed to be the same as last year, which you know obviously mm. that was never going to happen. No, nah. but but basically none of those teams were expected to really fall off it looked like and now i think like 7 of last year's 12 playoff teams are out of it you know not officially out of it but they're out of a playoff spot now uh just to tell you show you like the chaos in season like uh playoff teams that are not in a playoff spot right now from last year blue jays they're only half team out blue jays uh, mariners guardians and then in the nl it's loaded with them you know the phillies uh, the Cardinals, the Mets and the Padres and the Padres Mets and Cardinals are like, they're so distant now from the playoff race that, you know, it looks like somebody like the Marlins and the Reds and the Diamondbacks are going to make the postseason, which,
0: which is insane because, which is
1: great. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's great because especially these teams that deserve it, like, you know, the, the, the Diamondbacks have waited a while and they built up this talent. And now I'm probably, I'm going too off course because we, we got into these teams the other day. like, we talked about all of them, but um, Arias if you look at these these numbers like averages are up in baseball but they're not up that much that anybody no. should be hitting close to 400 in fact there's only two uh two other qualified hitters hitting over 320 or hitting 320 and higher Those that's pretty is Freddie Freeman at 320. Hayes is down to 316. Okay. Uh, Freeman's at 320. By the way, Freddie Freeman, Hall right. of Famer. I oh, yeah. don't know discussion. if I've ever seen a more consistently great hitter for all these years. Yeah. Uh, and then Acuna 334. And then Arias is he's down to only 390 now. Acuna, oh uh, my gosh!
0: It's so funny because like he'll be down to like. I think before his recent surge, yeah. he was down to like 388. And then, and then I, he'll go
1: like five for five.
0: I turned around and I was like, oh my God, he's back at like 402. I'm like, how does this even happen?
1: <laughs> he's going to have like a four for four day today. You could like mark it down. It just, it happens once yeah. a week.
0: I want to see him get one more. I want to see him get, I think the record or at least tie the record for five hit games in a season is four. And he's already at three. Yeah. Oh, I thought, I, thought I heard somebody say
1: three unless I, yeah, it's something he's, he's That's right about the record.
0: In a month. Uh,
1: Oh, in a month. That's right. In a month. In yes. a
0: month, yeah. Because Tony yep. Gwynn had – you know when I saw something really funny? It was like <laughs> – just to put in perspective how insane of a hitter Tony Gwynn was that like he could have went like oh for his last like 1,200 at-bats and still had a 300 average in his career.
1: Like that's freaking unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can do that anymore. Like even Arias, I don't know if that's – if he's, if he's going to end up over 300. It's so hard. You know, over you can do it in a season, you could do it in a couple of seasons, but it's 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 incredibly hard to do that in my, a career. Freddie my, Freeman's not too far off, but Trout I think was he's probably under it now. But
0: my uh, my dad said one time it was it was like one of the funniest things I ever heard. He was like, Tony Gwynn was such a good hitter. He was like, You could put a quarter in right center field and tell him to hit it, and he would hit it. I'm like, well, I don't know about that, but he was like, I'm telling you, he's like, he could have put the ball anywhere.
1: <laughs> but listen, like, Arias is—I know it sounds crazy because he wasn't like a hype prospect or anything, and he was traded already. But what he's doing right now is—is is Tony Gwynn-esque, and it's Ichiro-esque. You know, Ichiro yeah. hit—he had the what? What is it? What, what? What was the record? Like 262 hits in the season.
0: That's exactly it.
1: Like, okay, so Arias is probably going to hit like, I don't know, 230, 240 if he stays healthy the whole way. I mean,
0: right away, you brought that up. The first thing that went into my head was your comment section. As soon as you said Luis Arias, like up to 400 again, someone was like, Ichiro's 262 hits
1: is better. I'm like, why can't we just
0: appreciate
1: yeah, that? Come on, like like nobody does this anymore. I'm sorry, yeah. but I don't care that the the league average is up from like 242 to 247. That's Nobody's so doing ass, this, by
0: the way, 242. My god. Well,
1: now I think now we're up to like 247 and and, and the Luis Warmore Arise is
0: carrying 90. that average. If you take him away, it's yeah, barely 230. The whole
1: thing is Luis Arise. Act, <laughs> nothing's actually changed. It's just Luis Arise. No, what he's doing is is pretty incredible and it, at the beginning of the year people were like wow what a win win him and pa- for him for Pablo Lopez I said the
0: same thing I thought but, it was a win win
1: and Pablo Lopez actually had a really good start last night in Baltimore but he's been inconsistent but, but it's not yeah no it's not he's not doing what Luis Arise is doing yeah no and um you know I, I saw an interesting uh, I'm going to go back to Acuña cuz cuz that's fine cuz you know he's he's incredible we we got to we got to talk about Acuña I have
0: to ask one more question before we go back to Acuña
1: but I saw um people on on twitter talking about uh kim Ng, who's the the marlins gm Mm -hmm. you know first female gm ever and she's officially running the show because you know for a few years it was (laughs) for a few years it was jeter there you know not not that jeter was in charge but he had a say uh it's officially her and a lot of people for for a couple years were like wow like this is she's making some some bad mistakes but uh now, like all of a sudden, she's kind of been vindicated a little bit. Like, yeah, he's got Luis Arias for Pablo Lopez. She got Jesus, Jesus Lizardo for half a season of Starling Marte. What a you know, even at the time, people were like, hey, this could be a steal. Like, if he yeah. if they just fix him, uh, and they fixed him, it was a it was a, a steal. Uh, Skip Schumacher, who's the G, the manager, former yep. Cardinal has, I mean, so far so good. I mean, great they, name, they're, by the way. they're honestly not that much more talented than they were last year. If you count the fact that Sandy Alcantara has been terrible Uh and yet they've been so much better, by he the way, he's coming off a really good inside. start. He's coming off a good start. I'm hoping he's turned the corner. It's, it's just eating away at you. I could see it. it. Listen, if he, if he has a great second half, like they, they might, Marlins
0: are, yeah, the Marlins are in business. They're going to
1: be, they might be the top wild card team if he actually turns into something. But um Who was it? You know, there have been some mistakes. Like Gene Segura has been uh, roughly the worst hitter in baseball this year. So, so like, there's that. Um, But um, Brian De La Cruz, who they got for, they got for like two months of Yumi Garcia, who traded into the Astros a couple of years ago. Like she has made some moves. Yeah, and it's and uh, AJ Puck too, who's uh, like they he might be might be their closer now. They got him for JJ Blade, who is one of their traffic years oh, ago. Oh yeah,
0: because they they traded Terrible. him to Oakland because yep. they tried to make Oakland tried to make Puck a starter. And yeah, that's awful. Work.
1: And now he's uh, a legitimately solid, if not really good, reliever for the Marlins. Yeah. So uh, it, it's just cool to you know it's cool to see that was a piece of history that I think people forgot because the Marlins are so irrelevant. For a while, but Kim Ng is officially running the show in Miami and she's actually doing a pretty great job. Love it. At least Absolutely so far. Like well, I just you know, hope they I hope they let them spend money. Like I you know, yeah. like like Jeffrey Loria let them have that big offseason that didn't work out when they got uh Jose Reyes and all that. Like I just love hope. This season, and all the, yeah. I, I hope they let them spend a little bit. But
0: um one thing I wanted to ask before we move, talk about Ronald Acuna a little bit more. When was the last time a player won a batting title in the NL and the AL?
1: Like so, winning the batting title in both leagues. Um, yeah, was it DJ LeMahieu? It it might be. So he definitely won one with the Yankees, right?
0: I'm pretty sure he won one with Colorado,
1: and I think he won one in Colorado. Which you know you could talk about Coors Field or whatever, but I think he, I think that sounds right. Let me take a look. Um, dangerous. yep. In fact, it wasn't even just the NL. It was. It wasn't even just the individual leagues. He led the whole the whole all the baseball on average with the Rockies and with the Yankees.
0: Yeah, if I remember correctly, average was way down that year, and he led baseball with like a three eleven. Uh, he hit
1: he hit three forty eight. His two the two years he led were three forty eight and three sixty four.
0: Oh wow! Uh, oh, three sixty
1: four sure. was the COVID season, the shortened season in New York. But um, he did have a year he hit three ten. It doesn't say he led the NL, but he probably was near the top. Yeah. Oh wait, now twenty seventeen he hit three ten. Twenty seventeen was the year everybody hit like.
0: Yeah, that's what that I was, was thinking a, of. Yeah. that was a juice
1: ball year, I think.
0: That's but what I was thinking of.
1: 2015 he hit 301 and I bet 2015 he was probably not too far off the top in 2015. Yeah. Uh 2019 with the Yankees 327. Surprisingly that didn't lead the league. So who led the league? It, it didn't even lead the AL.
0: I'm very upset with the well, I don't want to talk about it. Uh <laughs> now I got to find out
1: who led the AL in average in 2019. That was over three. Well, you know what? That was a juice ball year. So I, yeah. maybe that shouldn't shock me.
0: Who who was it?
1: I got to find out.
0: Yeah. Gleyber Torres also hit 38 home runs that year. So, you know, it was a juice ball.
1: I've seen, listen, Billy, uh, we're talking about guys who hit like, you know, guys who hit an exorbitant amount of home runs for no reason. Even Billy McKinney had a year. There we go. I think, I think that year he might've hit like 16 home runs for the blue Jays or something. Like if you look back on that year, there were just some, you know, that was the year the twins broke the record for most home runs in the season by a team. Uh, that uh, there were some some really, 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 really odd numbers that year. Yeah, like, like Max
0: Kepler hit like 35 home runs. Yeah, 11. I look at
1: Cattell Marte, like he's having a really good year, by the way. He could hit like 25 this year, but every year is like 10 home runs, 14 home runs, 32 in 2019. Tell me how that, how we got there.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, that was, wasn't that the year like Brett Gardner came back on one of his like 15 one year contract extensions? And he hit, like, 29 home runs or something.
1: Yeah, he he was part of that, I believe.
0: Yeah. Or 30. Was it 30? It, it was up there. It was up there. But
1: I'm still trying to figure out. MLB.com is not easy to navigate on the phone. No, so I'm trying not. to figure out who led in average. Oh, here we go. In the AL that year. Oh, Tim Anderson, 335. That, ah, that makes right. sense. Yeah. And then DJ was next with 327.
0: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I'm I'm I've been pulling out the, uh, the trivia lately pretty well. I've been uh, I'm I'm like two for my last two. First, it was Billy McKinney. I pulled that out of my ass, and that was and DJ Lemayhu. I answer my own questions, so it makes me seem like I look it up beforehand, <laughs> and then just be like, oh yes, I know this. But uh, I could certainly tell you I do not do that. That would be horrible. But getting back to Acuna, I mean. Unbelievable year. What did you say? 334. He just hit his 20th home run of the season. He's got, what, 37 stolen bases, yep. something like that. Yep. Unbelievable. And he missed time, didn't he?
1: Did he? I don't remember. He missed some time. Didn't did he? he miss time?
0: No, no, I don't think. Maybe maybe a little bit at the beginning of the year. I don't remember. I could have sworn he missed time. I might be thinking of someone else. But he's been sensational the entire year so far. I mean, just a catalyst for what the the Braves are the best team in the NL right now. Um, yeah,
1: they, they, they've got to be again, not to get off course with the Cunha, but the Braves have to be the clear front runner in the NL. Everybody's every the rest of the while the rest of the league is fun with the Diamondbacks and the Marlins and all that, nobody's playing like the Braves. No. And Max Fried has been out for like two months. My fantasy team has been feeling it, feeling the effects of oh it. There we go. He's he's been out for like two months. And Spencer Strider has also not been the same as last year. And yet they're they're easily the best team in the NL. This is a they've got to add They've got to do whatever they need to do at the deadline because this is an opportunity to win a championship.
0: You know, you know when something falls so far under the radar that you're like, huh? I looked at the NL starters for the All-Star game and I'm like, why is Orlando Arcia here?
1: <laughs> and he's actually had a very good year.
0: Yeah, and then I look because like you, – you know when you like – because I haven't heard like much yeah. about him. Because it's – every time you, you look up the Braves or you talk about the Braves, it's Acuna. And then I'm like, wow. I'm like, he's having a really, really good season. And it just shows like how awesome the Braves' management and ownership has been that they could say, you know what, Dansby, thanks for your time. We're going to let you go. And then the season after, you have the starting shortstop in the NL for the All-Star game. Like,
1: Right. They, it, I mean, they they got RCA for like nothing two yeah. years ago from the Brewers. And they, to be honest, he didn't really do anything for two years. Yeah. Um, you know, he think he was decent enough, but now he wasn't a starter. Uh, and then this off season, every Braves fan was like devastated that they sent down Vaughn Grissom, who was who was supposed to be like the successor to Dansby Swanson. Mm-hmm. They sent him down before the start of the year. After he had a decent uh, he, defensively, was a struggle, but he he hit pretty well last year. Uh, and it turns out, you know, our, our Orlando Arcia, and we all we all knew we all knew he could play defense. Now he can hit too. Um, I saw people, somebody was like, oh, you know, for a fact, he's going to have a, like a 665 OPS when he leaves the Braves. Like, it's just, a, it's a given. Like the Braves, they also have a, they find a way to work that magic on these players.
0: Andy Rosario. Um,
1: but yeah, but they, who's having another pretty solid year. But they, yeah, they found something in Orlando Arcia. And yeah, it, you know, I was another one of those people. Like, I, I know he's been playing well, but I see his name like leading the way for uh, the shortstop vote. In the NL, and I'm like, oh, so these Braves fans are really stuffing the ballot box again. <laughs> and then I look at the other finalist, and it's Lindor, who's who does not deserve to be in the All Star. I'm like, all right, all right, it, it, it's a weak position then. Like, put our it is,
0: in. it really is.
1: Yeah, but you know, they've lost Corey Seager to the AL, and and Trey Turner has been terrible. Well, not terrible, but he's been he's not been that good. So, yeah, things have changed over in the NL. You know, Tatis isn't there at shortstop, and Bogarts hasn't been that great. So,
0: Okay. Can we talk about how Fernando Tatis went from being, like, a really poor defender at shortstop to being the best fielding right fielder in baseball?
1: Yeah, you look it up, and, like, okay, he's been hitting very well lately. But earlier in the year when he was hitting, like, 250 or something with nine home runs, uh, his war you know wins above replacement for anyone who doesn't know was like was super high for a guy who missed the first f- four weeks of the year yeah. like what does he what does he do it like is he walking every at bat like why is he so <laughs> valuable and yeah that the, all of a sudden the defense like i listen i know people don't like tatis and i understand the, the cheating and the suspension and all that but he's like he's like a unicorn talent like yeah. not everybody can pull that off so easily. And and the fact now he's hitting back kind of he maybe he slowed down like the last week or so. But he's before had a that, 273,
0: he was like, fifteen home runs, thirty-seven. All right, so he's he he got an eight like, fifty OPS.
1: Yeah, he was up to like two eighty-three for a little bit. But the fact yeah. that he's hitting as well as he is after missing a whole year, uh, and changing positions and getting booed everywhere he goes, I'm sorry, I have to give him some credit for he that. He loves
0: it. He absolutely loves he does. it. It's hilarious. Yeah, I gotta give
1: it's, him credit though for for loving it.
0: Because I sat in right field when the Yankees played the the Padres. And they were just heckling him all game. And he was like, I, I forget, you know how they do the how, how they do the roll call? And then yeah. after the roll call at the top of the second inning, he came out and they were chanting P E D's. P E D's. And he was like dancing to it. He was like, Yeah, he was like P E D's. It's I think it's it's an awesome like attitude to have. And I think it, it it's even better because it makes the people so much more mad that he just like like like, commandeers to it. Like, he's just like, all right, okay, I'm all right with this. Like, I'm going to have some fun. And it makes, yeah. it, it makes like the boomers, like, oh, look at this guy. Like, what a dick.
1: Like, <laughs> well, I, idea for next time, because, you know, we, we've talked about too many disappointing teams today. But for next time, we got to go into the Padres. If we got the, if we talked about yeah. the Mets today, we're going to have to deep dive into the Padres, who, by That's the also way, the I think they.
0: That we did last year, and it's unfortunate that we have to do it again. Yeah. This year. Yep.
1: And and by <laughs> the way, I I think, you know, we'll talk about it next time, but I, I think there's even less excuse than the Mets for the Padre for the Padres uh, not succeeding. Yeah, because they've I, been I,
0: building the team for the last five years.
1: Yeah, I but, think like the Mets have a few reasonable explanations. I don't think the Padres really have any. So we'll talk about that next time. But if we wanna if we want a hard transition into a little bit of NBA free agency talent, right, we wanted to hit some of that.
0: Definitely. Oh I, I mean, we talked about this before we started. Recording, but and you said that you wanted to get into this, so I'm curious to see your end of it. I've been very disappointed with NBA free. I know it's just like not even 24 hours old, but we've seen a lot of significant stars sign, and there hasn't been much movement. It's been it's been a lot of re signings, and I've got to be honest with you, as a as a fan of large NBA contracts, I'm all disappointed. I'm definitely disappointed in the Fred Van Fleet contract, but uh, <laughs> other than that, I don't know. It's been it's i don't want to say quiet but like for the nba especially coming off of like some years where like the nba was the craziest offseason out of any offseason like it's it's been a, a little a little slow so far what do you think about that
1: yeah there, there's definitely been a lot of re signings that that's been the big the big term i've used in every post but you know it seems like i have a few i have a few thoughts on it uh so it seems like since about 2020 this has been the norm um, mm. you know there are some moves there are some trades um though a lot of the big trades in the nba now aren't right around free agency like donovan mitchell was in september yeah you know kyrie irving was on the move in in uh, february and and james harden was on the move in in january a couple of weeks after that covid season began um and then in february the next year um things have changed like it, since 2020 which is 4 years in a row now there just really hasn't been a lot to sink your teeth into in free agency. You know, there's no LeBron movement. Uh, there's no Kawhi Leonard type movement. I'm already, when Kyrie tired Irving, James Harden. James, well, James Harden. That's the thing. Like when Kyrie Irving and James Harden change teams, now it's like nobody cares because it, yeah. it, it's 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 always happening. And and to be <laughs> honest, I. I I'm a little, if we're going to talk about free agency and get into like the meat of it, I'm a little surprised the Mavericks were willing to commit that much to Kyrie Irving. Yeah. It, it just seems like, like I, we talked about it here. I definitely agreed with the trade form because mm-hmm. it could be a trial run. You know, if it works, it works. Like you need to do something to put some talent around Luka Doncic. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And it didn't really work. And yet they're still committing to it anyway. So that's a strange thing. But uh, we're, we we could talk about that later. Um, no, but with free agency, we're at four years in a row now where it seems like everything is a re-sign. Even last year, like Bradley Beal becomes a free agent, instantly re-signs. And then a trade happens. It seems like the trade market is just a lot more active. Uh which which is fun too, but it it's you don't know when it's coming. So, you know, it's not like you can build hype around uh, a trade when they happen at all different times of the year. Um here's what I think is part of the reason. Okay. The NBA has been uh, taken over, and I mean this in a very good way. If you listen to the last episode, you know it, it's. I meant I mean it very positively by the European talents, and they are more content. They they uh, as opposed to everybody else. The European players seem to be more content where they are than everyone else. You know, nobody's ever heard uh, a whisper of Joel Embiid wanting out of Philadelphia. I've heard people say they should tear it down, which is wrong. But you know, like because they keep failing. But nobody has said, and by the way, he's not European. I know. He's international. Uh, The international talents. Nobody's had a whisper about Embiid wanting out of Philadelphia. Nobody's said anything about Jokic ever wanting out of Denver. Of course, it's never going to happen now. And Giannis, if you know anything about him, you know he does not want to go anywhere where there's attention. He loves Milwaukee, at least Mm -hmm. for now. Um, Nobody's ever talked about those, those three reigning MVPs ever wanting out. Uh, except for maybe like, you know, people speculating about Giannis before he signed that Supermax extension a few years ago, before the, the title. So, you know, what are you left with? Well, you're left with the James Hardens and Kyrie Irvings wanting a trade every year. And it's just, it's it's not as interesting. So, you know, it, it's the type of talent that the NBA has brought in with, with you know, this all this international flavor. Uh, has been mostly content. And then there's the Bradley Beals who, who it took them a really long, it took them a really long time to want out of of Washington and uh, Damian Lillard, who might never want out of Portland ever. Uh, You know, you're seeing a lot of guys who are just content. And let me say the reason why I'm okay with the quiet free agency, um, besides not having to look at my phone every five seconds (laughs) in July, the reason I'm okay with the quiet free agency is I think it makes the season better. Like the Nuggets having Jokic makes the season better. We just found out why because they, you know, they won their first title. The Bucks having Giannis makes the season better. You know, Embiid being in Philadelphia and not on a super team makes the season better. Yeah. The consequence of those crazy free agencies yeah. is super teams, usually. I mean, it, you know, let's be honest. Like, it's usually not like, oh, this guy's going to sign with the Hornets and start his own legacy, then out in Charlotte or something. Like, it's somebody joining forces with another star, with the Lakers, yeah. or, or you know, back in the day, the Rockets or whatever. Um, it, the consequence of 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 having a balanced schedule, or not, or not I'm sorry, not a balanced schedule, a balanced league and parity, and an entertaining playoffs with a level playing field is having a quiet free agency. And so, like, I take it. You know, the NBA is a league where they kind of thrive off of the drama. So I I do think this hurts them a little bit, and I wonder if they're going to change The way they've structured, like, the rules kind of makes it financially smart for players to re-sign instead of looking to go somewhere else. So maybe they look to change that at some point and try to drum up free agency again. But I'm okay with this because it makes the playoffs a lot more fun when you're not dealing with any super teams, um, at least not real super teams. You know, people were like, Oh, just give the Warriors the title now. Cause they got Chris Paul. And it's like, Oh, well they're all 35 years older. I don't think so. Uh, so some teams try to make those like fake super teams like yeah. the Lakers did when they got, you know, Carmelo Anthony and, and all that. Like when he was a hundred years old, <laughs> there are no real super teams because a lot of guys are just content now where they are. And it, it it truly makes the season more interesting so honestly like yes i don't we don't spend our fourth of july's at least for now obsessing over like where the reigning mvp is gonna go but it does make it does level the playing field a bit and make things a lot more interesting so
0: just been so spoiled over the past like five years that it's like now we're sitting here like oh god this kind of sucks in reality like this is a perfectly normal like off season. yeah. And like you like, said, they thrive on the drama. They thrive on the, where's this one going to go? Where's this one going to go? And Honestly, we'll, still get the, a James,
1: we'll still get a James Harden yeah. and it would not shock me and this is just speculation. It wouldn't shock me if Lillard at the last minute was like, okay, you're giving Jeremy Grant $40 million a year. I don't think this is sustainable and I want to go to Miami. Like, Not putting it past him. It could happen. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. saying I'm not lie. we're I'm, all done
0: I'm, here. I'm, I'm really not going to lie. If Damian Lillard comes available, and then the Knicks missed out on Donovan Mitchell last year. They cannot as as like a f- the fan base is going to explode if if like someone as a superstar level as Damian Lillard becomes available, and they don't at least like I'm sure that they did everything that they could to get Donovan Mitchell. It kind of seems like the Jazz were very reluctant to trade Mitchell to the to the Knicks. It seemed like they took a lot less from the Cleveland Cavaliers to to send him there. Wasn't it like six first-round picks and like R.J. Barrett or something like that and, and like someone else?
1: Yeah, they wanted a lot and they wanted R.J. Barrett and Quentin Grimes, I believe. Which, you know, in hindsight, like the Knicks should have done that. I mean, yeah. he, listen, because, you know, uh, I'm not a, not really too big into R.J. Barrett, especially when like the lights shine bright. We, we already know he's – You
0: know, he's selling hot dogs in Section 325 when the yeah, lights shine bright, so –
1: but uh, so they, their version of R.J. Barrett and Quentin Grimes that they got from Cleveland was Colin Sexton and Ochai Abaji, who was the rookie last year, um, which, you know, Colin Sexton didn't really do a whole lot. He'll probably be traded soon. Abaji actually had some good moments late in the year. He's a rookie, so we'll see what happens.
0: Um, but
1: uh, but they they and they got picks, you know, they got first. Yeah. Year, but obviously this year they, they, you know, we saw why you make those deals because they had three first round picks and they had a really good haul. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they got what they wanted, but yes, they the Knicks weren't willing to go that far, and it probably would have been smarter to just make the trade. But you know, especially now that we're paying RJ more.
0: Barrett, I mean, they have don't get me wrong, I think Quentin Grimes is a good player, but the Knicks front office obsession with Quentin Grimes just makes yeah, absolutely like, yeah, that was like America.
1: the untouchable guy, like, yeah.
0: And, and then, like, are uh, you we're paying RJ Barrett now 30 plus million dollars to be to shoot you know, an incredible volume of shots and make 34% of them. Like it, it's, it's not anyway. Uh, listen, as a Nick fan, I'm not asking for much this off season. Just give me Dante DiVincenzo and I'll be okay. That's, that's, that's all I want. I'm, I'm, I'm being you very, some, very, you
1: need some Italian flair on this team.
0: No, it's not even that he's a good, he's a, he's exactly what the Knicks need.
1: Well, he's available, right? So yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. Just give me Dante DiVincenzo. And then maybe like a, like a, like a moderate trade, like, like, just trade rj barrett i'm just like the biggest I, i'm not the biggest rj barrett hater but like I he this is it for him like i feel like what we've seen is is it that is the ceiling
1: yeah like, like the the idea he's gonna morph into like an all-stars
0: no because we've been saying unlikely. that for the past three years and Don't get me wrong like if they weren't paying him 30 million dollars a year i would have a different perspective like if they were paying him like $18 million a year or something like this is a perfect player for $18 million a year, but like yeah. you're paying him superstar money and he's not playing like a superstar. Sure. Once every 10 games he puts in, you know, a, a 30 point performance where he shoots efficiently, but that's not good enough. Right.
1: Yeah. Especially in the playoffs when you're, you know, one of 10 or something, or
0: it was Jalen Brunson versus the world that game.
1: It was. And and Jalen Brunson almost won. Yeah. Uh, but Yeah, you know, it's the the unfortunate, if you're a Knicks fan, the unfortunate consequence of this, of what we just talked about, uh, is that you you can't really upgrade. There's not really a big opportunity to upgrade besides, like, on the margins. Um, You know, like, the Knicks freed up all that space in 2019 uh, with with hopes of, like, well, first hopes of, of drafting Zion Williamson, but also hopes of signing, like, Durant or Kyrie Irving. But you know the thought was like, well, if you don't sign one of those two, at least you're you you've got cap space for the future, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of the logic with with Donovan Mitchell well, with with Donovan Mitchell and Dejounte Murray last year, who they both passed on essentially, was okay. Well, we've got these future draft picks for somebody else who becomes available. Well, there's not a lot of guys becoming available. Like, oh, you boy,
0: I can't to- wait until the next trade six first round pick for James Harden.
1: Right, like you gotta, you gotta take your opportunities where they come. Like it's not in the past where it's like, oh well, somebody's going to be disgruntled in the next year. It's like, well, the, it could be James Harden, and that it might just be James Harden. Like that's it. You, it might not be a Damian Lillard or like you know, you know, I don't know what's the equal to Donovan Mitchell. Like if Luka Doncic all of a sudden decided he was, oh, by the way, that's another, that's another example of a European player who's so far. Is content where he is you know yeah even though they've struggled to put a team around him going into year six he's he hasn't requested any trade or anything i think
0: it's so i think it's so funny that you mentioned that because my my friend yesterday was like man he was like maybe luka he's like one of those guys that follows basketball but has like irrational basketball takes that like don't make sense yeah like he was like if i was the knicks i'd trade a first round pick for for luka Doncic," and i'm like really just one I'm like,
1: yeah, I know a few of those people. Yeah.
0: And it's like, and he was like, man, we should just, he was like, we should trade RJ Barrett, Julius Randall, Mitchell Robinson, Quentin Grimes, and like six. I'm like, so, okay. So Luka Doncic comes here and it's Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic and that's it.
1: Yeah. That like- uh, now you have Dante DiVincenzo as your number three option. Yeah.
0: It's like, all right. So, you know, it's a little counterproductive there. You got to see, that's the thing with the Knicks. Like the Knicks have built, in my opinion, have built an incredible roster of good players to play around a superstar. We're just missing the superstar. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if there was a, just throw it out there. Say if there was a Giannis on this team, I feel like the Knicks would be the best team in the East.
1: If it was like Giannis
0: plus this roster that they have.
1: Uh, Unquestionably. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like, the Knicks have a very deep, very talented roster. They're just missing a superstar, which yeah. is is. I mean, and that's now great. To you Jalen Brunson's
1: credit, like he's he's come a lot closer to that status oh, than yeah. any of us thought. Like he oh, yeah. he, you know, he legitimately like played like a superstar at times last year. But um, you know, either you need somebody better than him, or you need somebody equal to him. Maybe yeah. maybe not maybe not doing the same thing as him, but you know, equally as talented in the front court. Um, you know, a forward or something, and Julius Randle is not that—at least not wow. in the playoffs. So, yeah, it, you know, that, that's that's the only thing is like, it's a fun team. We all like Jalen Brunson. You kind of wonder what the path forward is next year. Like, if you know, maybe they could be a top four seed, but it's not like this is an NBA Finals team. I mean, I mean, you see the Heat, and you think, well, maybe, but I don't know. I, they're probably not going to be better than the Bucs or better than Celtics or something like that. No, that's so, what
0: you need. They they just need. That sounds so crazy saying that. Like, oh, they just need one superstar. Like <laughs> but like But it's really never do. you know, I, it hasn't I, been I that
1: way. Now it is. It, I don't it's, think it's I'm being
0: way. irrational saying that the Knicks have an incredible roster around a superstar. They're just missing the superstar. Right. Like and the superstar is not James Harden. The superstar is not Paul George. Or I do think if Paul George were to were to be traded here, I feel like he would definitely be an asset. But he wouldn't be someone that takes the Knicks over the top.
1: Yeah, so. I mean Especially you, if you're going to get a star, it. like it can't be the James Harden types. Like you need somebody who's going to play more than 50 games a year, yeah, and and isn't going to be disgruntled in a year. You know, like <laughs> Jalen Brunson is low drama. He wants to be in New York. Um, you know, he's like best friends with Josh Hart, who I'm very yeah. glad is staying. Yeah, like, too. you know, everything is normal with him. He's not one of those. Even when he like he obviously wanted to leave the Mavs for for New York. Like we get, I get that. But he didn't make a big deal out of it. He was just like, oh, I'm a free agent. I'm headed out. Like, you know, he's not yeah. one of those guys who's going to be like, I'm going to cause a problem like somebody like James Harden does. So, you know, he's what we need. But but yes, you do need a little bit more if you want to go from, you know, four or five seed to the finals.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's an exciting time to be a Nick fan. I'm not going to lie. It is. So, so this offseason, give me a superstar in Dante <laughs> and and we'll be good. And, uh, that's it that's
1: all you ask for it's really not that much
0: it's i mean honestly the way that players are traded it's really
1: not that much to ask for listen if Giannis ever ended up in new york now i don't okay that's like you have to move
0: back to new york
1: i don't want him to leave milwaukee i i love him in milwaukee that's they're like my second team because they have him if he ended up in new york i'm gonna be at the press conference i'm gonna bang, i'm gonna find my way to get some kind of credential i'm gonna be at the press conference i'm getting the jerseys i'm getting i'm getting the the underwear, I don't care. Like anything underwear. With, anything with Giannis and the Knicks, like that, that would be the most perfect pairing.
0: Ever. I know. It just but, it makes me so sad that like I think Donovan Mitchell would have been the perfect superstar to come to New York. But then you yeah. think about it and it's like, Well, what would they have to give up? And then like, you know, you don't have as many assets around and all that kind of stuff. So I get you know hindsight's of course twenty twenty, and then I say, well, if you put Donovan Mitchell on this team, but if Donovan Mitchell was on this team, then it wouldn't be the same team. So
1: and we wouldn't be drafting for a for another five six years.
0: And that's honestly that's kind of fine with me. If you have the assets, like just trade them, because yeah. I feel like once you get outside the lottery, like you know, the picks but are but not, if you but the the, not not is if you
1: have the right guy making the decision. Uh, the draft can be a huge asset for you. Yeah. Like, like I mean, you know, th- look, at the, look at the Nuggets. I mean, just with, you know, Jokic 41st, even, not that Jamal Murray was a surprise, but, you know, 7th pick, all of a sudden championship point guard, Michael Porter Jr., 14th. They didn't pick Bruce Brown, but Bruce Brown was like the 45th pick. Like, yeah. if you do the right thing, and it's not that you're adding a star picking 20th or something, but you can add a legit, you know, sidekick for your star, if you have that guy, so yeah, so yeah, I mean, it, that's that's the tough thing is you know maybe the Knicks don't have that star, but you know if if it, it, the road becomes tougher if you never draft anybody, so it, it's a fine line, and that's what that's what Leon Rose is playing by holding on to those picks so far. Uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see if anybody becomes available. Yeah, it'd be very cool if Lillard, if somebody like Damian Lillard wanted to come to New York, but
0: what would you think? a Lillard to New York trade would look like with the current roster.
1: Uh, It it would be a lot of draft picks. I mean, I I do think, I think the Blazers value draft picks because uh, Mike Schmitz, who is the NBA, who is like the ESPN NBA draft analyst, really smart guy. He's in their front office now. And I think he, I think if they ever made that trade, he would very much value uh, getting picks back. So I think the fact that Knicks have actually held on to their future picks would work. Um, but yeah, like, you know, if they want young talent, like that's gonna have to be Quentin Grimes because they don't really have a lot of it. Um, you know, and, and it may have to be RJ Barrett just because it, honestly I don't even think the Blazers would really value RJ Barrett because they've got Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons in the backcourt. Yeah. I, it may just be like a – I hate to call it a salary dump, but like, you know, the Knicks can't really handle those two contracts um and end with having um you know, now that you have Lillard and Brunson in the backcourt, there's really no – I know R.J. Barrett can be kind of a, a small forward, but I think you're kind of out of out of luck playing him at that point. Um, so you feel like R.J. Barrett. You know, I hate to make it sound like the Donovan Mitchell trade, but it would probably have to be crafted around that same package plus more draft picks. Yeah. Or, you know, or you have to get a third team in to give up young talent because in terms of young talent, the Knicks don't have a ton of it besides Quentin Grimes and R.J. Barrett who, aren't, mm. who are both flawed. So, yeah, like that's the thing is is the Heat can maybe put together a better package with because I don't think they've traded all their draft picks. So, you know, it'd be a tough road forward unless he really wants to go to New York. But it's speculation for another day because right now, Lillard has not, so far, has not requested any kind of trade. So, and he might never.
0: I don't think he will. I'm just, I just like to throw it out there because, like you said, we need some kind of drama. So, you know, but, uh, No, it's, hopefully, I mean, you can't even say hopefully maybe the rest of free agency will be better because really a lot of the big names are already off the board. You know, it's like, there wasn't, to be fair though, in free agency, there wasn't really many, too, too many big names anyway this year. Yeah. Like, what was it? Fred Van Fleet and Jeremy Grant were probably like the two biggest names in free agency. And Bruce Brown and like, all those guys are all gone already.
1: Yeah, so, Brooke Lopez is the only one uh still out there. Yeah, and
0: I'm like my blood do- I'm not gonna lie, my blood doesn't start flowing when I see Brooke Lopez <laughs> signing with someone, so <laughs> but no, you know, it's it's like you said, I, I think we're in for a mild uh NBA offseason. I guess that could be okay once in a while, but yeah, man, uh I think that pretty much wraps it up, right? We don't really have too much more we did we yeah, kind of yeah, really discuss solid everything.
1: episode in here for two in one week.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a lot. This is like two and a half hours of content, more, almost two hours and 40 minutes of content in a a week span. We have blessed our listeners with, uh, (laughs) with, yeah, well, if that's what you want to call it.
1: (laughs) And by the way, uh, next episode, I think I mentioned this after we stopped recording last time, Mm -hmm. so let me say it now. Next episode will be number 40, and it will probably be roughly our one-year anniversary of of doing this. Because I think the first episode came out on July 11th recorded on july 10th if i remember correctly so that's uh that's coming up so our next one's probably going to be the uh the one year episode which is pretty cool
0: that's yeah it's going to be a big celebration we're going to have to come up with something big <laughs> so i'm looking forward to it but um a great episode thirty nine. We hit a lot of points that we really didn't get to discuss the other night. I'm glad that we waited on the whole Mets situation as well mm-hmm. because it just got a whole lot funnier in the like three or four days since.
1: And who knew? Who knew we'd be talking about a Domingo Herman perfect game? I
0: oh God, see this any given night, any, any anything given can night, happen.
1: Man, anything can happen. That's it. And let me say, just because I was thinking about this before, it's officially July, which means NFL training camp begins this month. Yes. So We are, we are, we are. I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like the summer's coming to an end because it no, definitely is not. It's you no, you're complete.
0: It's okay because as someone who makes strictly NFL content on his YouTube channel, I'm I'm treading water here. It's there coming. Just, no, it's
1: coming, and you know, as, there's nothing to report and, about and anything that course, I'm throwing
0: out there. It's just being shot right back at me. Yep. It's like there's and, nothing going on. So we but, and uh, Jets
1: training camp starts early, by the way, because they have the Hall of Fame game, and uh and you know the college football season begins. Oh boy. Wait, my, my laptop's dying. So bear with me if this ends. Okay. Cause sometimes it just goes, <laughs> uh, but college football season begins in uh, early September, late August too. So that's coming. All right. This laptop's going to die. So I guess we'll okay. wrap it up.
0: All right. Thank you. Hold on. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode 39. We hope you have a tremendous holiday weekend, 4th of July, go out there, eat those hot dogs, those hamburgers, drink those beers and thank uncle Sam. Thank you guys so much.